welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Welcome podcast listeners to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse, where we talk about relevant topics for survivors and victims of sexual assault and sexual abuse. Today, we're going to be talking about the recent Supreme Court decision in the U.S. that overturned Roe v. Wade, which is the case that determined a woman has a fundamental right to an abortion. I'm joined today by Alan Collins, partner and head of the abuse team at Hugh James, and my colleague, Danielle Vincent. Hi, everyone. Hi, both. Hi, guys. Obviously, quite a controversial decision by the Supreme Court in the U.S., and I thought it'd be useful to start by just talking about kind of how the U.S. legal system works just briefly and what the implications of this would might mean on a practical level in the U.S., and then move on from there. So Roe v. Wade, I'm sure everybody has heard about that case that was decided in the 1970s, which determined on a federal level, because we have both federal government and then individual state governments in the U.S., that there was a constitutional right to an abortion. And that meant that states that had laws that banned abortions or restricted abortion access to a certain extent, those were considered unconstitutional and therefore illegal. Following on from Roe v. Wade, there were a couple other cases regarding the women's right to abortion, and there were limits set on when a woman could have an abortion, but still it was determined that that was a, a fundamental constitutional right that women in the U.S. had a right to an abortion. There was then a case that made its way from Mississippi to the Supreme Court, which is the most recent case, which is Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. And that's the case that's just been decided and has overturned Roe v. Wade. And what that means is that there's no longer a constitutional right, a fundamental right of women to have an abortion in the U.S., and therefore each individual state can decide on their own, their individual state legislation can decide whether a woman has a right to an abortion or not. So in practice, what that means is that some states will allow women to have abortions, it will be legal, and other states will ban abortions altogether, and some states will ban abortions with certain exceptions. There's a concern, of course, that states where there isn't any indication of what they're going to do, there could be bans on abortions even in cases of rape and incest, which is obviously something that we know would affect the clients that we deal with. The other issue that it raises is that if you live in a state where abortion is illegal, in order for you to access an abortion, you would have to travel to another state, which obviously would be very costly and would make abortion prohibitive for some women. So there are some companies that have come out already, major companies who have said that they will provide funding for their employees to travel out of state for abortion. So that's companies like Meta, which is Facebook, Nike, Starbucks, Disney, et cetera. But again, this whole issue of overturning Roe v. Wade and a woman's right to abortion creates lots of issues and raises lots of questions. 
So I think, Alan, you had some things that... Well, there's, I think there's a whole series of points that we can make. And obviously, we're not in a position to say, you know, the Supreme Court's decision is right or wrong, because what we are trying to do in this podcast is discuss the issues that flow from that case and how it may affect our work, and in particular, how it may have consequences as regards those who are seeking redress for abuse that they have suffered as adults or as children. So before we move on and discuss all of that, we are going to be talking about various issues that you may find distressing. And so if that is the case, now's the time to switch off, have a cup of coffee, do something else. So having given that um, warning, so to speak, let's um, pick up on some of the points that we think flow from the Supreme Court's decision. So there's obviously those who are celebrating the decision. There are those who are absolutely aghast and very concerned for the future. And looking at the future, there's a concern that the Supreme Court might overturn other settled opinions, such as same-sex marriage, as just as, a, as, as an example. No one is saying that that is going to happen, but that is a concern. And um, it's of a particular concern to those who live in, in quote, same-sex marriages. And the whole issue of, as we know, sex and gender is very sensitive at the moment. So, but getting back to what we deal with in our work, which is representing people who have been sexually abused as adults or as children, we have to recognise that abortion, even though we might not necessarily like having to talk about it or face up to it, can be an important issue because we deal with cases where, as a result of sexual abuse or sexual assault, there is a pregnancy. And there are those who are very firmly of the opinion that regardless of the fact that the pregnancy is a result of a crime, there should not be an abortion, where there are others who are very strongly of the opinion that a woman has the right to terminate if the pregnancy is a direct result of rape or incest or unlawful sexual intercourse. I think it's fair to say that it was sort of a settled position, but that was a woman's right. And who are we to comment on it, let alone interfere with that right? But of course, you know, the Supreme Court decision throws that whole issue back out into the open. And there will be those who will say, well, it's up to individual states in the US to form laws to deal with that. Whereas there'll be those who say, well, no, that's not acceptable. Roe versus Wade was settled law and a woman's right to terminate should not be interfered with. And then there's others on the other side who will be saying the complete opposite. So that's me speaking clearly as a male on the subject, rightly or wrongly. So I'm now going to throw that question over to my colleagues, Danny and Kathleen, to see what they've got to say about it. I mean, we're both talking, Kathleen, you, you have a child, I don't. I think we're actually having talked about it ourselves, we're both very much on the same page as this. This is a specific decision that, that perhaps that 
impacts the individual is my thought process on this. And my concern when I saw this last week was actually, especially with our clients who we deal with, is that you know, sometimes when there is a sexual assault, a rape, there's lots of complexity behind it. You know, if this is a rape by husband, rape by partner, rape by friend, you, you know, there's lots of instances that, that come about from this. And it may be that the person that has got pregnant isn't ready to disclose that they've been raped, haven't processed that element. You know, that there's lots of concern that for our clients, especially if they've gone through a sexual assault, that they're going to be judged for it. So if you've then got the, the next element that there's a pregnancy and it's not going to, to be easy to make a free, free choice, the impact that that's really going to have on clients. And that, that was my main concern when, when I saw this is that there is a a lot of instances where there is sexual abuse going on in the home that nobody is aware of and is it going to be a case that because you know a child or a young adult or old adult whatever it is gets pregnant that they're going to disclose that abuse because they're pregnant perhaps not and then you've got the, the next element that you you're bringing in a child potentially to a family life or, or a single mother who who may not want that child and, and what's going to happen to that child then is social services going to to take all of these children you know is somebody going to not be able to look after their child very well because you know they've gone through a sexual assault and they're now having to bring up the child from that it's a really complicated matter i think yeah, that's a that's a good point danny because the late ruth bader ginsburg who was a supreme court judge before she passed on made the point, in her opinion, that abortion rules discriminate. So her argument was that if you are wealthy, you can travel and get your abortion. Whereas if you're not wealthy, and perhaps at the, you know, at the bottom end, so to speak, of society, you don't have that option. And you have no choice either to go through the pregnancy and have the child, or as in olden days, you find a so-called backstreet abortionist. And that is why in the UK, and one of the principal reasons why abortion was legalized to put to an end to, you know, backstreet abortions and all the terrors and perils that that would bring about. Anyway, so um, I think that's an interesting point, Danny. One of the points that I just want to make in respect of that is that in regards to the economic situation of that individual, you know, you could have a scenario where a wife is raped by her husband, has an unwanted pregnancy. If there's an element of money control, even if on the outset she, she looks like she comes from a wealthy background, how does she explain, you know, the, the money that leaves the joint bank account, for example? What happens if somebody then has, you know, child after child after child in a relationship that could be abusive and again then has a number of children which prevents that individual leaving? You know, children may then be brought up in an abusive relationship where violence is often seen in the house. This is not what I'm saying is panning out in all situations, but we see many different situations and it, it could impact many different people very differently. And even looking at it from the outset, if somebody comes from a wealthy family and that, that there is money there, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to be really trapped and really stuck and really in a difficult, upsetting position for them. Now, again, an interesting point, Danny, because it goes, arguably, it goes to the woman's right to equality. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it's well established that socioeconomics and and race are have a kind of role and relationship with each other. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how this lack of access to abortion is going to affect women who are of a lower socioeconomic status, which can be women who are often women of color. So is it, you know, disproportionately going to discriminate against women of color? I think that's a concern. And also, you know, there's conversation, as you were saying, Alan, about, you know, women's equality. How does this impact on women's ability to choose the life that they want to have, having a career, pursuing education, pursuing goals that they have, if they were to fall pregnant and then they don't have the ability to then have an abortion. They don't have access to abortions. They don't have the funds to travel out of state to get an abortion, depending on where they live. You know, these are all questions that remain to be answered. Indeed. And again, you know, it arguably hits up against discrimination or arguably discrimination between the position of a woman and the position of a man, you know, because the man would not find himself in the same position as the woman, having to make these very difficult unenviable um, choices in these sort of difficult situations. The other element that when we discussed this, I thought of is there was a drama based on a true life case that happened in Ireland many years ago where a young girl got pregnant, told her mum, didn't want to keep the child. Her mum bought abortion pills illegally and and got them over. And then the the mother went through a criminal prosecution process because of it. You know, again, in America, it may be that somebody underage has a consensual sexual relationship at the time, doesn't want to be a a mother parent at that age. And then parents are going to be put in a difficult position of, of breaking the law or, you know, reporting this as a, a rape in, in order to, to have a, a legal abortion. I mean, it, it really opens up a loophole of lots and lots of issues that are going to fall from it. And of course, we've been dealing with cases very recently, haven't we, Danny, where our clients have given birth to a child, often under age, and the child has been literally taken off them as soon as the child is born with no say about the matter. And that has you know, enormous implications for the young mother, obviously for the child, and also for the family and society at large. Yeah, it it really, really does. You know, this decision is so multi-layered and there's so many individuals that it would impact differently. You know, it's impossible for us to consider all the scenarios, but just, you know, scraping the iceberg or touch topping the iceberg or whatever the terminology would be. It's just, we can see that this is going to impact so many people. Going off on a, a tangent at the Supreme Court decision was also very interesting from a sort of, let's put it this way, from an academic perspective, because it did sort of recite, well, it did, it recited the law going back centuries as to the issue of when does life begin. So looking at the judgment, um, more or less at the same time, I saw on Twitter a photograph of a pro-life activist in the state celebrating the decision, holding up a placard, which was very much to the point, if not some may say crude, that says that said that life begins ejaculation. So from a legal academic perspective, when does life begin? And the Supreme Court um, referred to English law going back 
centuries back to medieval times when it was said that life begins with the quickening of the um, fetus. And so that in itself creates debate and legal and medical argument because legislatures in the States and maybe legislatures in other parts of the world are going to have to say, is it at 15 weeks or is it some other stage in the pregnancy? Very difficult questions and very difficult to arrive at an answer that achieves consensus, let alone sort of global consensus. Yeah, I thought what I thought was interesting about the quickening laws is that my understanding is that quickening refers to the first time the mother feels a fetal movement, which tends not to be until at some point into the second trimester, usually around five months, which would be around 20 weeks. Now, obviously, that's that's significantly past 15 weeks, which is what the current abortion laws are in, in some states that, you know, there's no abortions possible after 15 weeks. So I just thought that was interesting to, you know, look at laws dating back centuries, but actually the time frame for when life was considered to have begun is actually significantly further along hundreds of years ago than, than what we consider now at, you know, at 15 weeks. And I'm sure, you know, medical technology has a role to play in that. But, you know, and I think that also raises questions about choosing, you know, the life of the fetus over the life of the woman. You know, that's another question that's going to have to be answered by, you know, whatever each individual state decides in terms of laws on abortion. Obviously, if there's no carve-out or exception for rape and incest, well, there's usually a carve-out and an exception for saving the life of the woman, but maybe that might not happen. You know, it's just such a unknown, I think, at this point, the landscape and, and what it's going to mean. One of my concerns about this, and you, you know, I was thinking about this from my perspective, is that, God forbid, if, if you were raped, you, or, you know, this was a child was created from incest or a fetus, should we say, you know, and that person is then potentially going to have to bring up that child for the whole of their life. Is this going to result in women potentially, and it is a trigger warning, taking their li- own lives because, you know, they're not ready to be a mother, they're going to be bringing up a lifetime of bringing up their abuser's child. For me, as, as a female without a child, that that would sound like my worst nightmare. I don't think I could do it. So, you know, whenever I think about the, the decisions that I'm making, I think if it was me, how how would I deal with it? And I just don't think I think it would be a terrible struggle. Well, looking at all of this objectively, I really cannot see the Supreme Court's decision being the final say in the states on these questions. Well, no, we, we've seen so much backlash this weekend specifically in respect of big names, you know, celebrities, music artists, all very publicly coming out and disagreeing with, with the decision. And I think it's going to get such backlash that I think they've got to look at it again. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Just coming as an American lawyer, the way that our system works in order for there to be a, another decision on abortion, there would have to be another case that makes its way all the way to the Supreme Court, which takes years, if not decades. The only way that this is going to change in terms of there would be a, an, a constitutional right, a federal right. So therefore that applies to every woman in the U.S. to abortion is if it's codified. So if there is a federal law that's passed, which says a woman has a 
constitutional right to an abortion. And I think given the split in Congress between Republicans and Democrats and Republicans tend to be more pro-life and Democrats tend to be more pro-choice, I think it's unlikely that Roe and v. Wade is going to be codified and a women will have a, a fundamental right to an abortion. So, you know, I mean, I think the thing with the Supreme Court, regardless of and many of the justices commented on that in their opinions, including Kavanaugh, regardless of what the popular opinion is or how much backlash there is, they certainly knew that there was going to be a huge uproar about this decision. They are impervious to that. That is not their role. They don't pay attention to what the public thinks or what popular opinion is. So I personally think with the way the legal system works in in the U.S., that it's unlikely that there's going to be anytime soon, at least, a Supreme Court decision that would change the current state of play regarding a woman's right to abortion. Well, on that note, I think we are going to have to agree that these are very um, difficult questions and the future is an uncertain one. Yeah, I think if you think it's important to say to, to any of our listeners that we're taking a strong view on abortion or pro-life, it, it's we're talking specifically in respect of, you know, the impacts to our clients in the area we work in and what we can discuss with experience with our clients and what they've gone through. So on that note, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, if you have concerns, queries, or suggestions for future podcasts, please do not hesitate to get in touch. And obviously, if you are troubled by the issues raised in this podcast, there are associations and groups and various forms of support out there that can provide you with advice, support, and assistance. If you want some details, of those, then look at our website. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.